With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello, this is Fulhamish. We are your black and white cup of life in what will be an otherwise cupless season. My name is Sammy James, and tonight we have all the reaction to Fulham's limp exit from the FA Cup at the hands of Southampton, plus debate about Slav following last week's tumultuous press conference and some transfer talk as well. Uh, much like Theresa May's cabinet reshuffle, my lineup is pretty much the same, just in a slightly different order. Secretary Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. Away Day Minister Don Betts. Hello, hello. And a man who loves nothing more than an expense, Farrell Monk. <laughs> is that reference to my suits or my work? You're an accountant. Uh, that is true, but I get other people to do that for me, you know. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, you're way above expenses. Yeah, you're a senior accountant. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, that's actually bullshit. Actually, what I was saying is that you fiddle all the company accounts. Shh, what the hell? That's not all you fiddles with. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Oh. Right. 30 seconds. Okay. 30, 30, seconds into the pod- 30 seconds into the podcast, <laughs> and that is the humour that I think we're going to expect today. Jack, uh, redeem yourself with some good three-word reviews, please. <laughs> They're not mine, so there's no redeeming. <laughs> we'll pick some good ones. Oh, uh, Jack and Loz came through with missing Tom Kearney, which I think was probably the entire basis of, of all of Saturday. Um there were some good ones. Alan Mills' weakened side disappointment, I thought was pretty fair. Uh, Adam Bright's clueless in attack. Granny Lovekin coming through with Wembley playoff. Sorry, was what was one. their name? Granny Lovekin, at Granny Lovekin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Big old gran. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and Dejan Stamenkovic came through with back Slav's recruitment. Has he played for us? No, I don't think so, but I enjoy the fact that he has VIC at the end of his name, so I think he might be um, uh, one of Slav's friends. Yes. VRC? VIC. Oh, VIC. Yeah. Not a video recorder. Yeah, that's like what I'm Yukan- thinking. Like Yukanovic, that was, that was the, the point. You can yeah. tell that Farrell's the oldest member of the podcast. Yeah. Oh, right. hang on, there's a brilliant one. Oh, Sorry, I've, I've just yeah. seen it. Sam Smith coming through with re-signed Jack Grimmer. Oh, well, he was the grim Grimmer. reaper for... Uh, for Mark Hughes on Saturday. More on him later. Just to say, before we talk about Southampton, that this season Fulhamish is backed by Ladbrokes. And right now, Fulhamish listeners can bet £5, get £20, deposit a fiver, and Ladbrokes will add another 20 quid to your account. You can get this offer by following the link at bet.fulhamish.co.uk. Just to add to that, Fulhamish is also backed this season by Tom Kearney. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's, it's one of those things. If you haven't seen this on our Twitter slash Instagram, probably go and have a look. But Tom Kearney, fan and friend and lover of the pod. He is indeed, and good taste, I like to say. So it was a lacklustre 1-0 defeat to Premier League Southampton on Saturday. Not a disgrace, but not very inspiring either. Slav made five changes, and I think it was pretty much as you guys predicted in the extra podcast. It wasn't really a second string. It was kind of a semi second string, but quite clear, Dom, that this was not really top of Slav's agenda, as much as he says it was going to be in his press conference. 
No, I don't think it was at the top of either club's agenda. I mean, they weren't playing both second-string sides, but they're most, they made quite a lot of changes. But you, you wouldn't say, as we said, it isn't a second-string side. I think the build-up play was there for up through the midfield to the attack, but once it got to the final third, we looked so clueless and we didn't look like we, know, we knew what to do with it. Like The ball would get there and then nothing would happen. Because I don't think overall we actually played that badly. I just think once the ball got into the final third, we did literally had no clue what we're doing. And as one of the three-word reviews said, we were missing Tom Kearney's creativity in the centre of the park. Would you, were you happy, though, that Slav had made those changes for this game? Not really. I mean, I don't understand the concept or the purpose of resting players for the FA Cup because it's just another Saturday game. It's not like I know we played Ipswich. I don't know how many three or four days before, but we're not playing again until Borough. I didn't see that. I didn't see that it was necessary to make these changes. And I think if we did play a full strength side, we would have uh, actually beat Southampton. But if we'd have got to the fourth round, on you wouldn't, you wouldn't have been able to have an away day on the Saturday at Barnsley. Yes, but also it means I could have had another night out in Sheffield when Barnsley got moved to the Tuesday night. <laughs> well, fair enough. Win-win for you, um, Farrell. What was your thoughts on the game on Saturday? Um, yeah, I've got to echo a lot of what Dom has just said. Um, but it was kind of almost to be as, as expected. Southampton are down a bit on form. Fulham are a little bit of an up, on an up. And Fulham did dominate the game possession-wise. But in terms of the quality of the two teams, there wasn't a huge amount of difference. But when it came to key areas, like in the defence and then the attack, everything that Fulham tried to, to do against Southampton, Southampton just kind of went... Well, you know, they're championship players, let's just step in and get ahead of them. And then in the attacking areas, Southampton just moved the ball really, really quickly and our defenders couldn't get anywhere close to them without generating too many clear-cut chances. For me, Jack, it felt a little bit like a battle um, of the midfield. That was where it was won and lost for me. And as much as I rate Kevin McDonald, um, but Ollie Norwood didn't have his best game by a long stretch, uh, and Oriel in the middle, Romero, just, just, just bossed the centre of the park. I think in, in in a rogue thing, I think Oriol Romeo and uh, Hoiberg are probably the pe- midfield pairing that's best in the Premier League outside of the top six or the big six, if you will. Um, and they are both very, very good players. Romeo is a funny one and you watch him and, and Kevin McDonald's a wonderful player for Fulham and, and we all rate him highly here and, and no one's taking anything away from him. But the way that Romeo sort of wins the ball and looks up, gets it out of his feet and, get, and changes attack from defence into attack so quickly is kind of the the difference between a Premier League side and a, and, a, and a championship side and you know McDonald's excellent and he and he does win the ball and he does change change things around for us often but it, it's not quite the same kind of speed of thought and, and speed of of technician to, to make that kind of thing happen and Romeo is a very very good player and 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 you know Southampton are, are lucky to have him in in a way and there's been actually a lot of talk about him moving on this window into potentially one of the biggest sides in the Premier League and I think that it would be a justified move he obviously was at Chelsea for a while he did okay there, um, he, without getting too many chances in the team, and 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 since he's since he's left, he's he's flourished really, and I think ultimately they just had better players than us on the day. We didn't do anything particularly wrong. Norwood had an absolute shocker, um, but aside from that, you know, no one played particularly badly. I thought it was um, there wasn't particularly much service into into front up front. He. He toiled without really making any headway. The only two things he did really, like massively of note, were the two passes just before he was substituted. Put two good balls through for Shea Ojo, but that was it. Was almost a, a case of too little, too late at that point for him because he he just sort of toiled without any sort of validation for the whole game. And you know Shane Long isn't in the best form of his life, and and there isn't you know that much going for Shane Long at the moment, but. You know, even when he when he had the ball, that Southampton looked dangerous around him. Even if he didn't look like he was necessarily going to score, he 
he made things happen and, and he had touches and shots and, and, and things like that and, and all those things that Font didn't have at the weekend and you know, there's 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 plenty of debate about Rui Font and his kind of position in the team and what he brings. And I think that technically Rui Font's a very good player, but just doesn't seem to sit, fit the system at the moment. Um, before we come on to a few of those individual performances that you mentioned, Jack Farrell, um, just want to talk about the goal that Southampton scored. I thought it was a game of pretty high quality. It was a shame that the contest was decided by such poor defending by Fulham. It was just a, a catalogue of errors. But Ward-Prowse were the real pouncers finished. Yeah, um, I, I thought, you know, Ward-Prowse for them was a real bright spot for them the whole de- uh, the whole game. Um, and he definitely did a, a good amount of pouncing for that goal. Um, uh, it was just, it kind of pimbled around and Fulham didn't really sort of, when they got their foot on the ball, didn't really sort of try and do any sort of quality passing away that we usually do or get it away when we needed to. And it seems like a lot of, poor decision making all round but it was real the defending wise the only sort of really bad blemish um from either team um but it was a good finish there's no there's no qualms against button he's probably out there one of the of the back five that you know we can actually absolve from that because all round it was just <laughs> pretty calamitous yeah. really um coming on to some of those performances that i mentioned previously Don is that the worst you've ever seen Ollie Norwood in his half a season at the club he he looks like he hadn't touched a football in a year it was it was madness he he must have misplaced over a dozen passes yeah because after the Ipswich game I was calling for in the next league game Steffi Hansen to be dropped and Norwood to come in because I thought he played so well but he was he was misplaced past left right and centre but I think one performance that stood out was Kevin McDonald's because as we've all said, in the last month, he has not been himself. He's been giving the ball away in, in situations he never would. I know he's still vital to the way we're playing. There's no point in dropping him. But obviously, I've always been one of his bigger fans. And obviously, on the point, I've always mentioned it. But he he does sometimes get a buy-in. Fans, I mean, we're even calling for like, oh, do we need to look for a replacement in January? We don't. We just need someone else who can do that role. Because the only other player in the squad who's actually probably a natural DM is Ibrahim Assise. And he's nowhere to be seen. Mm. So I think... That may be his position we could strengthen in because, like, when we need depth wise. But yeah, I think I thought Norwood was terrible. Uh, he was misplacing passes, as you said, left, right, and centre. He was trying his crossfield long balls, which occasionally one will happen a game, and in this game, zero came off. But one player, actually, I thought wasn't actually that bad, was David Button, because there's a pass he makes. I think it's his first pass of the game. It's a brilliant ball over to wide left. I don't know who gets it. I think it may be Sessegnon. Mm-hmm. And he just, he take, unfortunately, it's a bad touch from Sessegnon, but it's an absolute great pass. And I thought he was, he was, it showed actually that his distribution for me is actually better than Bettinelli's. Because what I've seen from Bettinelli in recent weeks, his distribution has been very, very poor. And I thought Bowen was actually not too bad. But I think, yeah, all round, we just didn't have the key elements of the team working, probably because there wasn't that creative in midfield and obviously even though Adoy does a good job at centre back it wasn't it isn't his natural position and I think centre back is clearly a place we need to improve because Green has been immense this season I think but again on on Saturday he was definitely my man in a match and but I think Callas has just been completely off the ball since he's come back and maybe it's a position we do need to improve in it just all felt a bit meh like that, the whole game was just like 
Like, we watched it and Fulham had a lot of possession in that first half. And aside from, you know, five minutes at the very end of the half after they'd scored, where we, we put in a couple of decent crosses and had a few just over the bar and whatever, that was the only period in the game where I thought, oh, Fulham have, have picked it up here. And I think I tweeted at the time saying, you know, it's been better, we're not out of this. And then we came out in the second half and, and, and nothing happened for 45 minutes apart from Southampton hitting the bar inexplicably. Unbelievable. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. unbelievable. <laughs> but it, it really was. It, it's just one of those games where like Fulham didn't look like if we'd played another 90 minutes, we weren't going to score. Yeah. It, it, it just, there was, there was nothing. There was no, there was no impetus. Or, well, I thought Fulham did have quite a lot of impetus. We were trying to move it forward quickly, but we just couldn't break Southampton down because... Probably, you know, we've got a decent enough attack and we did play some of our best attacking players, or, you know, except Kearney, really. Um, but we just couldn't break them down because they're, de- you know, they're a solid Premier League defence. The only the problem Southampton have are scoring goals and that was really evident uh, on Saturday and it kind of shows their their weaknesses at the moment. Yeah, that's, what, that's what it felt like to me. It felt... Um... Fulham generally are a team that play brilliantly once they're in front. It very rarely do we actually go in front and then surrender the lead, apart from the beginning of the season when we just kind of had moments of, mad, uh, of defensive madness in, mm. in the final 10 minutes. But we're definitely a side that once we get in the lead, we rarely surrender that lead and we don't like coming from behind because we like playing that kind of counter-attack style football. Southampton seemed to be the complete opposite. And once they went 1-0 in front, it was just so hard to break them down. They surrendered possessions so easily, which was really weird from a from from an established Premier League team with a lot of quality running through them. The amount of times, especially in the last 15 minutes, that they would, you know, one of our moves would break down and they would just lump it forward, but not even looking for 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 long. And then afterwards, Gabbiadini, who they were both playing as kind of, not even on the shoulder of the last man, they were kind of playing five or ten yards off the last man, you know, uh, towards their own defence. The thing is, and the thing I'd add is that Southampton, I, should, I think, should have scored three times. That's yeah. what I, uh, Fulham, Fulham should have scored once, despite the fact that we, you know, dominated possession and, and there was all this time. And the, the fact is, that if that game had ended 3-0, we would have all been like, well, what's happened here? We didn't lose that game 3-0, but it very, very easily could have mm. done uh, and potentially should have done, I would say. Yeah. Are you just well, in flying XG here? I was literally just about to say that, the expected goals thing. No, not necessarily. It was just those three chances. You know, obviously the the, the header is inexplicable why he's managed to head that ball up despite coming from above it uh, and then managing to get underneath it, head the ball upwards on uh, almost on the line. It difficult didn't really make any ch- difficult sense. Difficult chance. And the other <laughs> one, when, when Gabbiadini just absolutely like batters the ball into the crowd despite the fact that he's got, you know, a one-on-one. And you know that's a man looking for goals to you know to try and and that all comes from Mario Lamina doing bits and yeah. obviously Gabbiadini has really fallen. He started in the Premier League like an absolute train, and I think he scored in the <clears throat> did he scored in the League Cup final and he scored it and he should have had another bit. With he was side. brilliant in that game and he was causing the Premier League all sorts of problems. Reminded me a little bit of um, your man who I've forgotten the name, Russian guy Pogrebniak. Sorry, I've just had a total mind blank there. But how you know blistery start and then actually he's turned out to be. Not that and he was impressive. starting for Italy in the in the Euros last yeah. year, wasn't Pellegrini he? Pellegrini just doesn't seem to rate him, uh, and that's the Pellegrino. Pellegrino, Pellegrino. I've done this for two two episodes on the trot. <laughs> yeah. uh, you just want to Pellegrino. Pellegrino. Pellegrino doesn't rate him, um, <laughs> Mr. Sam Pellegrino, and it doesn't really make any sense. And you know, Shane Long's been on the worst run. You know, I love Shane Long. Don't get me I wrong. I thought Shane Long was actually apart, literally apart from his finishing, he was actually really good. Yeah, he's a very good. I, I really, I've always really liked him, and mm. you know, he hasn't commanded as tr- the, the the quite huge sums of money from transfers 
as he has done by accident because obviously he's he's got quality that managers look for. You know, a bit of the Andy Johnsons about him in the sense that he's not going to score you 20, 30 goals a year, but he just brings so much to the yeah, team. He runs, he runs like a train, like constantly. Yeah. He runs all over the place all the time. <laughs> like and Kamara. He, you, no, not like that. <laughs> he runs in a direction. In the second uh, tier, in the second tier, though, he he could be one yeah, hell. Of I a mean, player. why would he move to the second tier yeah. when he starts well, every week in the Premier League? That's the thing. Right? Yeah, he hasn't scored for eleven months in it, so he might actually he, he might be considered scored last week. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, might, he might be considering it. Um, anyway, up back onto our strikers. Uh, Fon was given the chance up top. Now, neat chances, but it's it's just clearly not going for him at the moment, and it pains me to say it because I really willed him. To, to, to make a, a success of his Fulham career. Obviously, I'd want any Fulham player to do well, but particularly Rui Fon, I just thought he was so highly rated from Braga. And we, we've, we've had a few comments online this week about how we're still backing Rui Fons and how can, how can the Fulhamish lads be constantly thinking that Rui Fons a good player? I think Rui Fons a good player because of the reputation that he came upon, but we can't win because we... we well, I mean, mostly Jack, but... Slated Ab- Abubakar Kamara, and now they're going. Can't believe you didn't have any faith in in, in Kamara. It's like well, we're having faith in Rui Font, and, 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 and criticizing us for that. But anyway, aside from my rant, are we better off sending him on loan? Because it just seems to me like he's unlikely to make headway in this. Well, team no, because then there's no season. there's no cover striking. Ones. No, okay, assuming that cover comes in in replacement. Um, it, well, it depends who we who we got in really. I think that totally depends. But I wouldn't send him out. Like he's even though he's on a bad run for one, you can clearly see that the confidence is extremely low. He, the way he held the ball up, I thought was was really good. He always brings other players into the game, and uh, yes, he hasn't. He's only had one good performance in a Fulham shirt. You could argue against Ipswich. But I think there is something there. It's just, you know, when confidence strikers are low on confidence, they're not going to be playing to their best of their ability. I think you can't just scrap him. I know Abubakar Kamara has scored, like, he scored, what was it, four in two games. But I didn't think he was amazing in either of those two games. I thought, yes, he's he's going to get more confidence, he can put away these chances, but he's still... I would take Rufon's positioning is a lot better than Abubakar Kamara's because sometimes when Abubakar Kamara should be in the box, someone's running down the wing, he's still playing left midfield. And... I, don't, I wouldn't send him out on loan. I think he's the still... loan thing for me though isn't necessarily like oh let's bin him. It, it's a case of maybe he should go out somewhere on loan, even if it's upwards, which would be utterly bizarre that we're sending a, a striker up to the Premier League as as he was linked. But that it might give him some confidence in next season. We may have a better player on our hands, no matter what division we're in. I think there's something to be said for look, Slav made you know decent changes this week when the players that came on made an impact in mostly a positive sense I thought he didn't take off Norwood though which this was is, just this is what bizarre I'm, this is what I'm going to bring he, up right okay so yeah, it, 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 so what I would have done was brought well, he obviously lacked a creative attacking talent in midfield because we had three players who weren't really breaking any lines we missed Tom Kearney Surely the surely the move was to drop Font into midfield, put Kamara on ahead of him and take Norwood off. It, it it baffles me how that wasn't considered as an option. And I know I've been the first one saying give Rui Font a run up centre forward, right? So I appreciate that that's going to sound weird. But obviously he's had that chance. There wasn't much happening for him because there was no through balls or, or crosses, anything coming in because there wasn't much going on in an attacking sense. Yeah, we had the ball a lot in midfield, but it didn't really go anywhere. We were crying out for a link man mm. and he's obviously one of those players that likes dropping off to play a striker in front of him at that point when we were lacking Kearney I don't think that Font should play ahead of Kearney or even alongside him to be honest because I think that they probably do too similar a job but 
when that, that came, time came and we were obviously lacking Tom Kearney's creativity and attacking Naus, it made no sense to me that we decided to bring to keep Oli Norwood on, who was doing absolutely now. Mm. And um, and take Font off completely at that point. It really did baffle me a little but bit. But isn't that what Piazon should be doing? Well, that's what I was going to say. Piazon was on Piazon, the wing, didn't he? Yeah, but, yeah, Piazon was on the wing and then he moved into the centre. But you can quite clearly see he is lacking that match practice. It is a hell of a long time to be out. Now he's got quite a significant number of minutes under his belt. Now you might see him kick on a little bit. But, you know, it's a very difficult game for Piazon to play in. Um, you know, against uh, against Southampton, he hasn't had a lot of minutes. He's come back and come back from quite a long in, long spell on the sidelines, and I mean, Jack's hit the nail on the head with you know, we needed that link, and Piazon was trying and he was trying, but it was just it's a bit too much of an ask for him, mm. and it was a bit too much of an ask for Norwood, who was just pants. Abysmal was the word I think I used. Do you think, Farrell, that it was a bit of a missed opportunity for Fulham to claim a positive win over a Premier League side in the Cup? Southampton came uh, with, with zero confidence. They've been on a terrible run in the Premier League. I don't think they were brilliant on Saturday by any stretch of the imagination. I think they played the game well. They got themselves in front and they held on to it. But I, I feel like this Saints side may well have been beatable if we'd have put a first-string side out. But on the other hand, was it the right decision to rest our players and focus on the league. Dom seems to disagree. What do you think? Um, I think I'm going to put my ass on the fence here and just and say <laughs> Watch the yes or no. <laughs> um, you know, and yes and no. I think that the team that we had on Saturday was probably just about good enough to, you know, if they were all playing at their best, to get a win. Um, but... You know, then again, you you've got to rely on the players in front of you, and it's up to Slav to kind of make those you know really really crucial decisions. Then again, if Fulham were also a Premier League team, then they would look at the FA Cup as kind of a a, a way of kicking the team on and and going far in the competition. But realistically, are Fulham going to get to Wembley? No, because they had Southampton in front of them. If perhaps we had a good run like we did last year and get a couple of good results in, then yes. But I do agree it was a little bit of a missed opportunity, but in the grand scheme of things, I, w- I would have been disappointed with Slav if he put out 100% full-strength team, truth be told. I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm always one of those fans that's furious when we go out of either cup, especially when we're in the Premier League. The, I used to be so annoyed, and it used to normally be about September when we used to go out the Carling Cup, because I was thinking that's the actual competition we can win this year. Forget the FA Cup's quite hard, but the the Carling Cup is the one we could get to the final, and we used to like, limp out to Wickham Wanderers at home or whatever, and it used to really infuriate me. And the same with the FA Cup. I used to be gutted with the FA Cup. I almost used to have this feeling, especially if we weren't, weren't fighting relegation, the season's over. Yeah. Uh, but this season is the least upset I've ever been about going out of the Cup. I was disappointed even last year, and, and even the few years before that, when we lost to Sheffield Wednesday at home, I was really disappointed. But yesterday, I just... Uh, sorry, not yesterday, <laughs> Saturday... I just really didn't care. Obviously, I wanted to win, but I just didn't care because I just don't think that this season's about the FA Cup in any way, shape or form. Jack, uh, did you have a similar feeling? I was really angry in August when we went out of the League Cup or September or whenever it was. I remember being very angry, more with the performance than anything else. Yes. But yeah, I mean, I, I just felt, I didn't I didn't feel sad or, or anything. I just sort of was like, well, that's that. Apathy. Yeah, complete apathy. Um, I, I don't think we were going to win the, Premier, the FA Cup. I, I really don't. And, you know, if we can win the FA Cup in our heyday, the chances of us winning it now are slim, if if I'm perfectly honest. Uh, and, you know, maybe I'm a little bit guided that we didn't beat Southampton because it might have meant that we'd gone and done, you know, uh, got, uh, got a good draw in the next round and it would have been a nice day out and whatever. And 
if this season does end up plunging into obscurity, at least we might have got something, you know, like a nice day out of out of a fourth round draw or, you know, a, a fun day out and non-league ground or whatever. But yeah, most mostly just I'm extremely apathetic about the the entire thing. I, I I've got you know it's it. I am disappointed about the FA Cup because I you know I said last week I love the FA Cup and I you know I want Fulham to be in it. Um, but it was just I think all things considered with with it being Southampton and with it um, the manner of the defeat, it was kind of like well we played as well as we probably could have, could have done with the team that was available. And we just didn't. We couldn't get beat a team in the division above. So, meh. That, that's that. That's Most, that. Mostly, I'm just sad about the fact that we're not going to be on the BBC again. <laughs> <laughs> you've got oh, a ta- yeah. you've got a taste for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I like the big time now. You like the fame, and it's not going to happen again this season. Well, you never know. There might be other ways. Just to say, um, we will be releasing another Fulhamish extra this week. Coming up on Fulhamish extra, uh, we're going to be previewing the Middlesbrough match, uh, and we're also going to be asking who out of our squad could cut it in the Premier League. Um, a question that I think's been on many fans' lips uh, after watching the performance against Southampton. Plus, we're going to be having a stats chat with uh, Mike Gregg, who you might know better. Uh, as MJG on Twitter. He's going to give us some permutations and combinations of what Fulham need to make the playoffs a reality come May. So make sure you get that downloaded in your podcast inboxes. That will be out on Thursday morning. Right, we're going to chat about Slav in just a little bit. Hello, Sammy here. How's it going? Normally in this bit of the podcast, we have a sponsor message, often selling very posh craft beer. But we'd like to find some new sponsors for 2018, and we thought we might put the message out there. We need a sponsor so that we can pay the bills, stuff like the website, buying equipment and buying ourselves enough beer that numbs the pain of Jack's incessant ranting. If you've got a business and you'd like to advertise to the thousands of Fulham fans that listen to this show every week, give us an email, pod at fulhamish.co.uk. We can have a chat and see what we can do for you. That's pod at fulhamish.co.uk. Drop us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Hello and welcome back to the Fulhamish Podcast. My name's Sammy James, joined by Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. Farrell Monk, in your own time. Oh, sorry. Because <laughs> <laughs> you did Dom first time round. Oh, well, I'm just changing it up, keeping you on your toes. And Dom Betts. Hello, hello. Oh, that's much better. So we've got a little bit of chat to have now about Slavisa Jukanovic, um, as I'm sure many, many of you were having on the terrace or in the pubs last weekend uh, you will have heard I'm sure about Slav's press conference on Thursday I believe it is it was a pre-match FA Cup press conference nothing too out of the ordinary about it but it ended in pretty dramatic circumstances as he had a back me or sack me outburst uh, with regards to Fulham's transfer policy this January. Now, he said, now this is his actual quote, uh, this January I am really disappointed with the information around us. We don't have any clear targets. Then he goes on to say, and I'm paraphrasing now, that in a scenario where the coach doesn't think the squad is strong enough, but the club thinks it is, then the club should sack the coach. I mean, is this just another case of Slav flexing his muscles to the press in order to get his own way in the transfer market? If so, Dom, is this getting a little bit old? Is he just having another tantrum like he does every single bloody transfer window? It's just, it's just, it's just getting annoying now. It's just getting childish. Just like you know what you know, you knew when you joined the club that this was going to be the transfer policy. You weren't giving the manager's role; you're giving the head coach role. I understand he wants to be able to control what players he can have, but. I don't know why he complains every single time. I think he just does it so he has an excuse when he doesn't achieve his targets come the end of the season. But ultimately, if this means that Slav gets more results out of the board or out of the directors of football, 
then it's positive because then we get better players or better yeah, performances better on the pitch. Way, there are better ways of doing this. You don't need to go and do it through the press. What's the side effects of doing this in the press, apart from us fans getting a little bit irate? Well, fa- yeah, fans will get fans get annoyed. And okay, but that, that, that obviously then it, then annoying, it creates but... a sort of image that there's a massive argument between the board and the manager, and you don't want that because then that's only going to filter through to the players, and it's just it could it could in effect affect our performances on the pitch. I don't understand why you needed to just add this at the end of the press conference. Then the LFC had another tantrum after the Southampton game. I just don't understand why why you need to do it. I mean, have these conversations behind closed doors. They don't need to be shown in the media, and I think. He just does it, so he he has something to point towards if his team doesn't reach their targets coming in the season. Well, they mu- he must have had some sort of bust up shortly before going into the press conference. But must he? Well, I don't know. He might have just been. He might have planned it. We we'll we'll never know. But he's obviously got results doing this approach in the past. Um, but it's just it just screams of bad PR from from his point of view, in terms of. You know, it makes it makes the club look bad. It makes him look bad. It makes the it makes a mockery of the whole sort of chain of command and everything. You you know, you shouldn't really. You know, it does send a bad image to the players because you know players might not actually sort of converse with a lot of the senior management team, and it's you know they need to sort of communicate through the manager himself. And you know, openly criticizing the the senior management team to, for the whole nation to see is just well. It's just petulant. Sammy, if you went on Kiss tomorrow morning and you grabbed the microphone and you started having a rant about your boss, how long would you last in your job? I think that's different. Is it? <laughs> Why I think is, it's... This is the weird thing about football. But no, but okay, let's... How let's, long would but, you last? Okay, put, it, put, put it back in a radio equivalent. Okay, I'm not, I'm not on air. Chris Moyles did the same. He didn't get fired. Yeah, but he's Chris Moyles. He can do what he wants. Exactly, and this is well, Slavica yeah. Jukanovic, and he can do what he wants. Yeah, but that was exactly what, what he wants. But Chris Moyles is more Sir Alex. Jukanovic is more someone who covers 1 to 4 a.m. on some online radio stations. Um, but um, it's the same point. Uh, that In his own world, he is top of the tree, and he has the backing of so many fans. So he can do this. He can get away with it. Yeah, because he, he knows he has the popular... He shouldn't, but he can. It's, it's, there's, a, there's a difference. Yeah. And also, what realistically are the club going to do, though? They're not going to sack him, well, are no, they? Well, no, because he'll get a massive payoff, which is exactly. what he's angling for here. This is the whole thing. You remember when I, I said back in November that Yukanovic was trying to get himself sacked and everyone laughed at me? Shock. Yukanovic is trying to get himself sacked like, again. The most annoying, the most annoying thing about it that. is that... He won't. He doesn't have any of these tangents or outbursts when it's not a transfer window. He also yeah, doesn't know, do it true, when yeah. Fulham aren't doing well. Yeah, this that's is the true. Thing. This is what annoys me most, right? This is my point, and you can read my extended thoughts on this on the website. But it, the the thing that Yanovich does is he waits until things go in his favour, and then he uses it to strong arm the board. And what he's doing is he's sort of like creating this kind of idea that there's a massive divide between the management and the and the senior management in the club and basically what he's doing is he's turning supporters against the manage, the you know the senior management who you know in, in many ways have done lots of good things and and we talked about it at length about Khan's investment not only on the pitch but off the pitch and all of that seems to get forgotten as soon as Jukanovic has a tantrum and, and it really does annoy me because what he's doing is he wouldn't do this when things weren't going well because people would be like hang on Khan's put this money into him and Jukanovic has not delivered on the pitch. But as soon as things go his way again, he's able to kind of twist that fan sentiment. And instead of twisting it for, you know, for, to, to, to benefit the team, he twists it for his own ends to try and, you know, divide divide against the, the board and, and the senior management. And I think 
it, it, it really does annoy me because... It, but it's not like he, he controlled the transfers at Watford. Yeah, yeah. He didn't sign any of the players that got him the no. league title. I know he was only there for like two days, but... <laughs> like, but um, and, all, and also, like, the whole thing with Fulham fans and the boys, like, oh, why weren't the Khans at Fulham Southampton but at NFL game? I was like, well, the Jaguars were in the bloody playoffs. Why would he be at Fulham Southampton in the bloody FA Cup third round? Who the, Fulham... bloody, else, who the bloody else complaining about that? Oh, loads oh, of people. Was oh, mate, people. it was absolutely massive online really? backlash. Yeah, yeah, Oh, my Lord. But the thing is, like, if Fulham were in the playoffs and, and, and they, were in, they were in America to watch like a random like, game in, 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 in division, and then people would have a, a, a cause for debate. And, and also, if, if that happened, then people would be up in arms, and rightly so. And the Jags fans would be up in arms if they just sacked off their playoff game, first playoff game in 10 years to, to come and watch Fulham in a, like a, in a competition which realistically isn't our main aim for the season. That's nuts. It is nuts. But uh, do you think anything's genuinely happened behind the scenes? No. No, I don't no, think. It's, it's weird because Slavisa knew what he was getting in for. It was, it was very, very public before, well, in the whole sort of recruitment process of getting the new manager in, that it was, we're getting a head coach, not going to be involved in recruitment. It's, as far as we're concerned, he hardly will be involved in transfers at all. And the person coming in will be a head coach and only looking after the coaching of the team. But doesn't it say quite a lot about the culture of Fulham, where the only way that Slavisa can get his way, or he feels that he can get his way, is by going through the press? I think it He didn't create of, the system. I think it says more about Slavisa than it does about Fulham. <sighs> I, I, I kind of tend to disagree there, that I feel like if he feels like he has no other option, and that if it's mutually to the benefit of Fulham come the end of the window and do what you like okay, well right, it's, it's, benefit, it's benefit to him yeah. at the end of the day it's only benefit to him not to Fulham as a whole but if we get better signings this January well that's what I'm saying it's, it, he's feeling like it's better to him because his stock will go up because he thinks it's going to there's no proof that the signings will be any better or, or any different it just gives him an excuse when we fail to be promoted at the end of the season exactly there's no proof that Slav being in charge of transfer is going to make our recruitment policy any better. Especially if it's Cameron Jerome. Exactly. Would you rather have a, a Kit Simons who just doesn't say what he thinks and goes along with the party line and... Maybe that's what he thinks. How about, how about, how about Antonio Conte? Here's the, here's the example <laughs> I've been giving all week. Right? Antonio okay. Conte, they, they said to him in, in a press conference in the middle of it, they said, yeah, we're talking about Barkley and Carroll before Barkley signed. And he said, look, they're not my players. I get my, ask my opinion and that's it. And then I don't worry about it until those players are given to me. And then I make do with the squad that I've got. It's, do you think, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't determine Antonio Conte as a yes man. I wouldn't determine as someone who lacks passion and drive or commitment to the club. But he is able to get on with the squad he's given and deal with it. And, yeah, and, absolutely. And and that's what I'm looking for. I'm not asking for Salisa to be not given anything. I I think he should be, of course, given a say and an opinion in these things. And I I do think there is room for discussion in terms of what he wants to get. And I think that the club should be sitting down and discussing that with him. What I don't think he should be doing is throwing his toys out of a pram in a press conference and, and basically undermining the whole thing that we were given about James Lovell coming in and him being someone that Slavisa respected and wanted to work with. And, you know, he won that war against Klein. That's done. It's finished. Klein's out and Slavisa's still here. That game is over. And we were given assurances that, that James Lovell was someone that Slavisa liked and respected on this podcast last week. We were given those insur- assurances. Uh, and... But that doesn't sound like the kind of relationship to me where I'd throw the suddenly Slav Stone Lovell and all the recruitment team immediately under the bus. That doesn't sound healthy to me. Or or we I we accept that 
Slavisa has basically decided that he's going to try and do this so that he has a full guy if things go wrong again this season. We have no nothing to prove that Slavisa's outburst has changed the transfer policy one bit. And, you know, these targets could have been looking through, you know, last week and the week before this outburst, Slavisa said that he had three targets lined up and he was happy with them. So either the club and Slavisa aren't communicating at all, which is a worry, and that needs to be sorted out on all sides, but not not just on, on one side or the other. They need to sit down and thrash that out. Uh, but also, you know, it, it, I don't understand how a week beforehand he thought he had three targets, the week after he has no targets, and then this week we are already linked with two more players, and uh, one of which is suggested that is in the, the the you know furthermore stages of a deal. None of that makes sense to me. Well, we'll come on to a, a couple of those transfers in just a little bit. If you want to read more on the subject from Thursday's press conference, uh, there's a couple of articles that touch on it. Uh, one of them is ads, uh, Craven Corner, that went up today. But the main one uh, is Jack's article, uh, which he published on Saturday morning, called Murders and Acquisitions. Yeah, good little uh Get a little American I mean, it's psycho one of our, reference it's there one for of, anyone. It's one of our most read articles already uh, over the past few months. So make sure you give it a read. You might agree with it, you might disagree with it, but it's yeah. definitely worth a read either way, whatever you end up thinking about it. And let us uh, know. We, we're always interested yeah, to at hear. At Fulhamish Pod and the discussion's always open. Um, let's get on to some of the transfers, as I just um, aforementioned. Jack, they're clearly listening to the podcast. Matt Target... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, from Southampton on loan, looks like it's going to be a real goer. Yeah, I mean, there are there are certain things. I think Lyle Thomas is the the one to watch on this um, as as things go. He was he said earlier on um, that there's nothing agreed, but the club are interested and are in conversations with Southampton about it. So it, it looks like that one is a going. I um, mean, obviously, that seems to be the end of Rafa Schwarz if if another left back comes in on loan Dom. Yeah, and I, I don't Rafa hasn't even been given a chance. No. Which I find ridiculous because of the pedigree he had before he came. I mean Liverpool were after him on a permanent deal for like fifteen, twenty million early in a summer transfer window and then obviously we got him on loan which I think had a future buying clause of fifteen, twenty million pounds in it if we wanted to exercise it. But yeah, I think we just need to get a left back in really because although how well Dennis Adoy has been done being Mr. Verstal on the back four. I think you we do need a natural left back. I know he says his best position is left back, but I'm not it's not football manager. I don't need an inverted wing back. Like it's not needed. Like I, I would I would I like him. He's a good player and you know, he's 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 also had good good pedigree about him, Target, for the last I'd say three or four years. He's always been this good up and coming left back at Southampton, but he's never really got the chance. Like Gallagher got the chance. Uh, where is he at alone at the moment? Sam Gallagher? Is it uh, Birmingham? Black. Oh uh, yes, at Birmingham. That was but, Blackburn last year. Yeah, week. but he's had a chance, and he's clearly not going to be a Premier League player. But I think he's he's a very good option, and I don't think Slav actually wants to play Sessa left back. I think he does want to play him further forward, but he just doesn't have the options within his squad. Well, he does. He has Rafa Suarez, but he doesn't have the options that he wants to play to place us further forward. And if we sign Target, we I don't, I don't we still got I think space for two more loan deals, and and I think because we we allowed we got six, we you allowed eight, something like that. So it would be a good, it would be a good signing. I mean, Cess would get pushed further forward, hopefully, and we clearly know that's where Cess is a lot better played. Um, Farrell, if we do sign Matt Target, how many pod names do you think Jack will use uh, the word Target for? Um, come <laughs> by by the time the season's coming, more more than the amount of goals he might score for us. I don't know. He might uh, shows. <laughs> we might see how uh, Jack breaking out the 
pun book with Target or <laughs> if he's ever on Target or I don't know. <laughs> Off Target, anything on Target. Um, Farrell, the other rumour that has been coming to light in the past few days, uh, Lewis Graben. This one's been there... Uh, for a few weeks now, offers a potentially different option up front. Don't think Sunderland fans are terribly upset uh, to see him go. What, what, would you, what would you make of him if he did make the move? Well, it's, uh, he's proven championship experience. You know, he's he is in that sort of. Could he do it in the? He's uh, he kind of flirted with the Premier League a little bit um, when he was at Bournemouth, but didn't really hasn't really got a chance. Um, he 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 is just about average enough to sort of play for Fulham really um, and he'll probably get a decent amount of game time um, has he got the quality quite possibly will he come to Fulham I'm don't, I don't know um, it looks like his career at Bournemouth is, is kind of over and it's kind of a weird one because he is playing for Sunderland he has scored a, a few goals um, but now that's been cancelled and at the players request I believe um, but maybe that's to force a move to Fulham or, or somewhere else um, you know, maybe he will fit into the system a bit more. He certainly got the effort. He certainly got the pace, and he certainly does have something about him to score goals. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't be too disappointed if he if we do see him in a Fulham shirt soon. And um, the other one that hasn't been rumoured, but just interesting, Jack, to see uh, Jack Marriott amongst the goals on Saturday for the posh at Villa. Brilliant win for Peterborough, and I mean. You, you, I think you tweeted it perfectly. Imagine your shock. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Jack Marriott's a really good player and he scores loads of goals. Um, the, he's the second highest uh, in, uh, English goal scorer in England now behind Harry Kane. Uh, I know it's obviously quite a separate level, but, you know, it's, a, <laughs> it, it's, it's indicative of what Marriott can do. The thing with him is, is, and I've seen a lot of people being like, I'm not quite sure about, you know, I haven't seen that much of him. I've seen, you know, bits and bobs of Marriott across a number of sort of 90 minutes. What he does is he's quite quick and direct, but... He's really not shy of shooting. His, his actual like shots, kind of to goals record uh, ratio isn't isn't brilliant, but he's really not afraid to have a go. Much like Harry Kane, really. <laughs> yeah, but that's it. He just he just isn't. He just sort of vaguely bangs the ball at goal whenever he sort of gets a sniff. It's and, fine. And... Slav will be able to change that. Make him stop the ball, turn around, and pass it back to Green before we move forward. But it's um, yeah, but, but that's it. I think, uh, and if we if we're looking for a poacher and uh, you know someone who's going to be there and in the box and on the end of things, we could do far worse than picking up Marriott for the four or five million it's going to cost to bring him in. It it seems like it would seem unlikely for Fulham to do that with their current transfer policy. We don't yeah. tend to do that, which is really bizarre. I mean, for a club of Fulham size, we don't seem to take those risks for like the three or four million it could cost. You know, the, the biggest transfer we've had, apart from Rui Font, I can think of, was, was probably Tom Kearney at four mil. Well, I'm really. a Cormac, but... Yeah, but that was like, that's not really a risk. That was, so a, was, it was coming down from the Premier League and yeah. we had all that parachute money, so yes. yes. Exactly. Obviously, a lot of the transfers... Font is the biggest risk I think we've taken since yeah, going down to absolutely. the championship. I'd agree with that. And that was such a stark stark difference to what we've done mm. since and before then. Um, so it would be completely out of character to go for a player like Jack Marriott. But, but hey, we said we said Matt Target last week. We threw the name out there just into the ring. 
not thinking that it was going to get picked up. So and I clearly, think, so I think Steven Gerrard out of retirement that that'll do nicely. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> suggest good things. Okay, he does done better than Ollie Norwood at the weekend. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, my gran could have done better than Ollie Norwood at the weekend. Was it your gran tweeting before? Gran, gran, yeah, whatever. Granny Lovekin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was our Granny Lovekin. Um, let's get into some questions. I think Jack. Um, the post bag is very full, which is nice. Yeah, do some rustling, good man. I've just showed Farrell the right effect. Okay, get your thing. Stop fiddling with the post back now. Let's <laughs> not talk about fiddling, you Irish yeah. bastard. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, classic. Uh, this is a really good oh, email. Oh, that the fiddling you're on about? Oh. Yeah, 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 that was it. Um, this is from Hector Worsley, who emailed us, which is with an excellent question, saying, could Slav's way of excluding players such as Molo, Graham and Suarez be putting off potential signings from joining so they don't want to risk ending up in our reserves? Dom, I'll start with you. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, No, Tom. no, but I think it, 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 it is going to play on a player's mind if they join. And they're going to look at the club and see all these signings from the summer who've just pretty much been exiled from the, the first 11 have been just banished to the under-23s. And I think that is a potential thing. I don't understand why Slav has done this because we, when we've seen some of these players play, obviously we haven't really seen Suarez or Graham play, but when we've seen Molo play, he's clearly a very talented footballer and very direct, but... What I've heard is he doesn't play... It's not because he's a client signing. Apparently, he's a really bad trainer. Although, if you looked at his Instagram, you wouldn't think that because all he, his entire Instagram story is him on an exercise bike. In fairness, maybe that's the issue. Maybe <laughs> everyone else is outside and he's like, I'm just going to stay here and film myself on this bike. So This, is a, this is a conspiracy theory related on the same topic. If Jordan Graham was on loan from Liverpool... Would if he played far more? If you think about it, a Wolves going to loan Fulham another player? When they... I, 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 if I was Wolves, I'd be a bit pissed off that we've loaned Jordan Graham to you and he'd probably played more for us than he has for you. And if I'm thinking next season, Fulham want that player for on loan from Wolves when they'll be in the Premier League, I might be like, nah, I'm not, you're, not, you're not getting another player on loan. You won't, you won't play him. But for Liverpool, we've got to, we've got to keep Liverpool on side because they're a huge club. They're going to have lots of talent coming through the years. We'd quite like to cite Woodburn on loan and Ryan Kent and and therefore Ojo plays. I know Ojo's been very good this season and that's not the only reason he's in the side. I just wondered, is that a thing? I think conspiracy might be a bit of a strong word, but I do, I, it's actually a, a fair point. Um, and there could be some truth to that, a little bit playing the politics around the big and bigger and the not-so-big clubs but I think that the, you know, I think the decision has been made that Graham is just not good enough and he's not good enough to break through the other wingers. You know, he's not, from what I've seen of him, which is, which is to be fair, very little, but he's not. We've be- all seen very little. Yeah, that's, that's the point. It's true. Uh, but, he, you know, he's, he's not better than Ojo. He's not better than Cabano. He's not better than Aite. He's not better than Sessegnon. Um Whack Piazon into the mix. And and now Piazon's back. So um but going back to the original question, um that I it could harm the chances, but it would harm the chances if Slavisa has treated these players badly. And, you know, these players have been around Suarez and um and Molo have been around the block a little bit. They would know quite a lot of players around. Um they are from uh big countries with lots of talent, France and Portugal. And perhaps if Sofisa has treated them badly, then, you know, that would, you know, deter some players coming in. 
Um, At the end of the day, though, we're in a market where there are far more footballers than there are places on the pitch. Yeah, that is true. And unfortunately, yeah, you, okay, my mate Jordan didn't have a great time there, but I'm, I think I'm a better footballer than Jordan Graham. So why would that happen to me? Yeah. I, that's my only thought on the, on the matter. And also, it's January, so we're not. Although it'd be nice to have add squad depth, that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for players, I think, who can slot in straight into the side and improve us. Whereas, if you looked when we signed Molo, Graham, I, I actually looked for, like Suarez, who just slot into left back. But if you look at the likes of Molo and Graham, they weren't players we looked at that were going to slot straight into our first eleven. Whereas, I think players we're talking about. So, you talk about Jack Marriott. You you were expecting him to be slotting in. Straight into the side. If we look at a centre back, I don't know who you who 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 you'd suggest, but if I say Angus McDonald for sake of some, argument, yeah, something like that. You look then just slot straight into the first eleven. Uh, target for Southampton. You look at him just slot straight into the first eleven. I think it's different because these players are players we believe in the club beliefs are going to be part of our starting eleven. Yeah, I agree. I, I I think the the common kind of motive, if you will, is that that Graham is another one, a bit like Molo, who isn't particularly good at applying himself if he doesn't feel wanted and has therefore dropped off because he's like, no, this is useless. Um, I think that's kind of what the kind of prevailing public opinion is. And given his kind of social media presence, you know, I I like Jordan Graham, but I, I can see why people wouldn't. And I can see why people don't like his social media presence and the way he presents things, because it makes it... He does... What what has he what has he done? It's a bit like me against the world kind of kind of thing, and and like his bio is something like I'm preparing the feast. Some of you are walking away from the table too early, or something like that. And it's it's all a bit sort of I'm here, everyone hates me, but I'm going to win. You know, your classic Facebook friend having a little bit of a bitch about their work on uh, online. It's not far off what Jordan Graham's doing, just in a far more subtle. way. I'm friends with you on Facebook. I've seen them. (laughs) Yeah, I'm always slagging off my employers. Yeah, oh, you and Slav. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that's kind of the thing. So I suppose that's a good question, though. So thank you very yeah. much to Hector for that. We've got another one in the inbox. This is from Richard Smith, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. Um, he says, having a premiership ref on Saturday in a game that passed without any of the normal ridiculous incidents the champions refs regularly inflict on us, is it time to make all refs all the way down to League Two professional? There's so much money in the game, there must be enough to do this. I'm going to start with our resident refereeing <laughs> expert. Sammy that, James. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Barrel> Monk. <laughs> um, yes or no, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's difficult. I mean, you've got to... It's not like we can choose from referees all around the world like the same way that uh, the teams from the Premier League and the Championship, even League One now, all the way down to League Two, we can we can start just sourcing people from around the world. No one, you know, uh, a top referee from Argentina isn't going to come and referee in League Two now, is he? Might do. Might, might do. I the don't money, know. If the money's right. If the money's right, I mean... You know, I don't know. Maybe that you know there aren't there aren't a huge amount of referees in the in the in the country. You know, you're sourcing from. But then, surely that's more of a reason to make it professional. I think his point is that no matter how big the pool is, the money in the game is so huge now. Why are we still relying? Well, yeah, why are we still relying on referees that are policemen on the side? Surely their full time focus should be refereeing, going on refereeing courses, staying fit so they can be a better referee. I kind of agree. I've, and I mean, we're not talking hundred thousand a week. We're talking like well, I don't know, thirty, forty k a year. I don't know. Well, the I'm pretty sure that all the referees are professional all the way down to League Two. The assistant referees might not be. Um, 
I'm pretty sure about that. But I, I suppose they they could. Uh, are they? they well, but then you see the World Cup final is Howard Webb, and he's in his part time, and you see him at S- South Yorkshire Constabulary. No, I think I, I don't think that's true anymore. Um, I mean, that was only seven. Well, whenever, whenever he did. he wasn't he was professional back then. They're all professional. All the top ones are all professional now. I'm sure he would, okay. he definitely was professional at that point. I remember when I was when I was doing my refereeing stuff, which was quite a long time ago now. Um, the to be and there were there were nine levels. And once you get to level three, that's when you're an assistant referee in the football league, and you would be earning only for two days a week, uh, eighteen grand, and that was part time. That was only for two matches a week. Um, so I'm sure if you once you reached the level two and level one, you were getting ahead of a lot more, and mm. you would be professional. Well, then maybe it's a bit. And that weird. was that was ten years ago. You're not that old, Farrell. <laughs> when you consider the standard of officiating, though... Oh, yeah. The, I mean, the quality of the refereeing I've seen in the champ, the difference in between Premier League and Championship, I mean... But can't we produce more than 10 good referees? Well, there's a lot more people playing football than they are refereeing. I think someone, I think it was actually maybe Arsene Wenger this week that came out and said there are only two places where referees are professional, and that's Italy and the UK. And none of our referees are going to the World Cup. What does that say about the refereeing system in the in the UK? Yeah. Well, I mean, you just only have to go to your part football on a Sunday and see how many of them are young. For example, a lot of these people have either been doing refereeing for like thirty years, and that's what they've always done. Yeah. Or they're former footballers who. You know, former Sunday, yeah, yeah, just, you know, want to stay away in the game and just earn a bit of extra cash at the weekend. A lot of people don't want to do it because of the abuse they care. Yeah, it's it's disgraceful. The level of abuse on on Sunday, Saturdays, well, Sunday mornings or Saturday mornings, whichever you play, is unreal. uh, Farrell and I play for the same team. We're doing brilliantly in the league, as I'm sure you're all aware. Um, One of our referees literally got chased off the pitch by a member of the opposition. I actually, like, he ran off the pitch and was scared. The high, the, like it was, it was horrific to watch. It's all, not all even because it's, it's not it's even all about Sunday league level though. I'm talking about like under eight level, like the parents yeah. just hound yeah. the referees. The worst, the worst I've the, when I was refereeing, the worst, the worst ones I get are from people on the sideline rather than the actual people on the pitch. Not to you know absolve the people on the pitch because it's it's you know as bad at times, if not a lot worse. Um, but which didn't happen a lot to me because I was the best referee ever. I guess on the sidelines you don't have the threat of being sent off. Whereas well, you, that's yeah, the ultimate absolutely. threat you've always got over a player. Whereas on the sidelines, well, it's a free country. I can but stand it if I want. Absolutely. They, they used to say that the only thing you can do is either uh, go or call the police. Mm. That's the only tools that you've got. And it comes from like a culture thing and, you know... the Passion. Yes. You Jack's right favourite passion. Passion in the passion. game. Yeah. I know. If you don't shout at the referee, you're not a passionate fan. Yeah, it's, there's only so you know there's there's so much you can rant about it and mm. how how terrible it is. My you know my experience of it is uh, the higher the quality of football, the less the abuse gets. You know, unless you you know when you get to like professional level, then it's more from the the fans than it is yeah. from any of the players. But that's just yeah. yeah. When you're being abused by thirty thousands, it's almost kind of not as personal, is it? <laughs> well, absolutely. And right. you've got you've got security and everything to back you up so you kind of feel comfortable exactly right well that was a, a good discussion thank you very much <laughs> that, was that a, went uh, off of a tangent it yeah. did but it's, it's, a, it's a good discussion and one that's worth having we're going we're gonna to move on back to, to more Fulham related things I think um, this one's from Ed Doubts it's a, it's a DM we got on Twitter 
Um, I thought this is interesting. Do we need to be on the lookout for another midfielder if Slav isn't happy happy to give Cisse, Eden, Delatore a go? Steph Joe has been disappointing so far. Still not entirely sure what Norwood offers. An injury to either K-Mac or TC would almost certainly rule us out of a, play, a potential push for the playoffs. Well, I mentioned it earlier that we don't have cover for Kevin McDonald, <coughs> and we we don't really have our other midfield options aren't options they're just players who are there who can do a job they're not players who if a player got injured i'm happy for them to come in thankfully peers on his back now so we do have someone who could actually play the number 10 role if kenny isn't fit but yeah i do think we need to strengthen the field but then you could argue we need to strengthen every bloody position on the pitch except maybe wide and it's so yes we could do midfield options but i i think it's maybe third or fourth on the on on the agenda i was gonna say that yeah pretty much yes but Less, less sort of. Only if the right player is available. I, I think. I think no. I, I disagree. But I, I think we could do with strengthening midfield. But I think we'd be better. At, we we have more pressing issues. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Is the, the attack and defence and possibly even goalkeeper need to be. I'd say need to be sorted first. At the end of the day, as well, he mentions if Kearney or K Mac got an injury, what would we do? Well. Whoever we sign this January as some sort of backup is not going to be anywhere near the level of. K-Mac or Kearney because A, they wouldn't want to come to the club or B, even if they did want to come to the club and be a backup, we wouldn't have the money to afford someone of that quality and and so it would be lovely. In in an ideal world, we'd just have James Madison sitting on the bench waiting in case uh, Tom Kearney got injured but it's just not going to happen. Yeah, precisely. We're going to keep moving these on. We're going to try and rattle through some more. Just a quick shout out to both Alf Kelly and Sean Foley who both sent us messages that we've kind of dealt with it in other sections but thank you very much both for your messages because they were both interesting points that we raised earlier this one's from rogue rooster (laughs) which is a good name he says i'm led to believe that we're after a goalkeeper who would you like to see between the sticks um well i mean i'd I'd like to know where your sources are from rogue rooster so if you want to come and be a source for us he's the rogue rooster that's great then um, i'll I'll be into that Um, who would you like to see behind the sticks (laughs) between the sticks i'm gonna go one word answers guys please dom smithies we've we've said it loads of times farrell Uh, smithies is a good shout yeah you've, you've 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 taken the wind out of ourselves here I was going to say Alex McCarthy before he um, before he actually got a run in Southampton's yeah, team. It's really quite <laughs> annoying. I thought, that was, I thought that was a genuine option that we could look at. Um, I'd look at learning Danny Ward off um, Liverpool. Yeah, I, yeah, that. good shout. Again, though, I just I, I don't think that goalkeepers the no yeah it's, most because they're, they're both good, they're both good shot stoppers. Yeah, and there's not as we said there's not much between them. But yeah, if if I was going to name anyone, just be Alex Smithies just to make QPR even worse. Yeah, Rogue yeah. Rooster, if you actually have inside information and we're on the lookout for a keeper, please do get in touch with uh, your sources. Or if you are a keeper. Yeah, yeah. or if you if you want to play, basically. So, uh, we're now actually Slav's, t- uh, Slav's uh, scouting team, so yeah. if you if you want to play, you're going to have to come down to FC Brentford on a, on a Sunday and play for Farrell. <laughs> um, right, there's some more. Kamram, our, our loyal writer who, uh, who does all of our transfer information at the moment, so up to Cam. He says, if a centre-half is to be acquired, who out of Bream and Callas would be the Callas. more likely to deputise the bench? It's Callas. But they, they, that, isn't, that, that isn't a question. There's just a, there's a definitive answer there. Bream's been, I'd say, our best player this season. <laughs> and Callas has been not anywhere near the standard he showed last season. I, it's not really a question. It's just... too hard to drop 
Uh, Tim Ream Aldo. He's just too. He's just too good on the ball, and he's too good off the ball. Tim Ream, the dream. Yeah, no. Uh, we'll, yeah, Mr. We'll Party in. in the USA is a quick one. It's um, is it is a decent question though. I think there's a, there's a reply to it on here from Doi Doi, who says um, <laughs> that's not a name. I'm sorry. <laughs> are, are, you ma- are you making these? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm making them up. <laughs> usually, usually it's a question here from Tim Smith. That sounds like, that sounds like Doi a character Doi. from iRobot. No, Doi is a, a very active Twitter user. I'll have you know. Um, he said that Slav would is a stickler for application in training, which one like harks back to the point we were making about Molo and Graham earlier, um, but also is a very valid point about it would almost certainly be who's performing better on the on, on that particular week. So that was a good one. Um, Alex Pure Power, who seems to give us a question every week these days, so shout out to him. He says, do we need to bring in some experience this window? We have one one player in the squad who's over the age of 30, which is Tim Ream, who's easily been one of our best and most consistent players this season. Last season, we had Parker's cameos that I just don't really feel like we've replaced. Sammy, I'll start with you this time. Well, I've, I've said this um, numerous times that I would love to see some experience and I'd like to see some experience up front. I keep on banging on about Peter Crouch. It's not going to happen. But someone in the same mould and... I'm also a big fan of oh your man that plays for Nottingham Forest and I've just I've totally Daryl Murphy. Murphy I'm having a blank with names tonight um, I, I just think someone wily up front who knows the division could do a real job for us so yeah I'd love and, and, and Parker was brilliant for us this season we do seem to miss occasionally the joy of being able to bring him on for the final 15 we minutes we need some hard Brexit games. players yeah exactly I think, I, think, I think it's not just on the pitch I think it's off the pitch Roy Hodgson was a big advocate of uh, players and characters around the dressing room you know the the sole pretty much the sole reason he brought in Yari Lippmann apart from his ear injury problems that Sammy loves was the fact he was so good and also Pascal Zubabula he said he came out and said not only do we want to sort of train him up to be the goalkeeping coach as well but he's just so good to have around you know he's really experienced on the training field and he gives a lot of advice to the to the players around him, and maybe that's what Scott Parker was as well to the club. And that's I think maybe he that's definitely what had that role. Yeah, absolutely, indeed. Right, we're going to rattle through. There's, there's one more question and one one excellent jokey question at the end. Um, a bit like question time. Uh, he says Sam, Sam Lockhart says if we get Matt Target, that would mean Sessignon would play left wing. You'd you'd assume we have five left wingers in the team. With that happening, we would one of them leave. He says he can see Aite potentially on his way out. Has always been a start for us, could get, but could get frustrated over not starting as much. Well, if he, could, if he played better, he would be starting more. Well, he's starting anyway. I know, but I, th- I, don't, I don't. He isn't. If we're starting two wingers, he's not the two I choose. The two I'm always going to choose at the moment is Ojo and Sessegnon. Because Aite, yes, he he has great individual moments, but he does try too much. And this season, I think he has been poor, even though he has had his usual injury problems. And I think selling him in, selling him on personally in the summer, or even in, in this transfer window, I wouldn't be against the idea if we got a decent fee for him. Well, who were the five? Uh, I think the point was Cabano, Aite, Sessignon, um, Ojo, and. But he said left Surely wing. Cav. Oh, sorry. Well, he's on about um. He's his five are, um, Graham Molo, Cabano, Seth, and Aite. Oh, right. Okay. I thought he was throwing um George Williams into the mix. No, there. no. I think George Williams is oh, he's, yeah. he's off having a baby. Um. So so that's. What the hell do you know all this? George Williams is having a child. So good luck to him with with. Is that with why he's not child. getting in? Because he's pregnant. Yeah, he's pregnant. Um. <laughs> you know, his 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 his, his girlfriend slash fiance is pregnant um, with oh, their child. Good, so congratulations, good luck, yeah, good congratulations luck to, to George Williams. I forgot for that. he actually existed. Yeah, um, and this as a final. <laughs> congratulations po- anyway, George. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and a final point actually from from Jason Jowden at Fulham Jason, who asks, 
Should I quit my job and live in a box outside Craven Cottage? <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably the weirdest question we've ever received. But I thought it probably needed we, to. I um, think that's going to generate a lot of debate. We might need to another a Fulhamish extra. <laughs> is, this like David, extra. is this like David Blaine in the glass I box? I don't know. You know, like at the end of question time where like Dappy gets to ask a question and they're like, ah, oh, you know, one of those weird things at the end. Well, if he does it uh, for... We'll record it and we'll make it into a social media feature. Yeah. So there you go. There's your, there's your answer. A live 24-7. Are we going to turn, up to, Jason the, we gonna turn up to the studio one week and there'll be in a box in the room? Jason, if you're in a box in the room, we'll let you on the pod. Yeah. <laughs> that's a promise. Thank you very much for your questions, everyone. Uh, sorry we couldn't get around to all of them, obviously, but um, I hope we've answered most of most of the big ones. Yeah, thanks, guys. They're brilliant. Excellent work. Always get involved at Fulhamish Pod or you can email us pod at fulhamish.co.uk. Right, or slide to... into our DMs. Oh, yeah, feel free to slide. <laughs> into the Fulhamish DMs into Jack's DMs whatever you like I'm going to open up my DMs for people yeah my DMs are always open <laughs> um, so we need to name this week's podcast just before we finish Jack have we got any ideas Saints and Sinners Saints and Sinners very nice a bit like your murders and acquisitions it's getting quite dark some of your titles yeah, well, I, that's a really that's a really clever reference to American Psycho, and I also finished the finished the article with "This is not an exit" to double down on it. I think Jack's just been listening to maybe too many true crime podcasts. Yeah, yeah, I do like, like they a are, bit true crime. They are, they are trending in the moment, and he's been clearly listening you know to me, too many. You know me, Tom. I'm a trendy bloke. Yeah. I mean, um, this podcast is just ending, so people are probably looking for another audio fix. What do you recommend? I don't actually listen to true. Oh, crime do you podcasts. not, Dom? I'm joking. Untold. Untold. And obviously Serial, you don't listen to it, but oh, yeah, if you haven't listened to Serial, like, what you do? Yeah, life. I mean, literally. Do you even know how to podcast? So, <laughs> that was just looking like, what's going on? <laughs> right, we will be back with Fulhamish Extra coming later this week. It should be dropping Wednesday evening, Thursday morning, hopefully in time for your Thursday morning commute. We'll be previewing the Middlesbrough match as the championship action gets back underway. Uh, we'll be talking who of our squad could cut it in the Premier League, and we're going to have a stats chat with Mike Gregg as well. And we'll be chatting to a Middlesbrough fan, of course. So all that remains to be said is thank you for listening. And to Jack Collins, thank you very much. Hello, your boy. Baron Monk, thank you very much. Thank you, chums. And Don Betts, see you very soon. Laters. Goodbye. Toodles.